When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. This is episode 106. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Ace Podcast Nation, also your home to many other great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more. Uh, so please do give us a follow on social media. And of course, subscribe to that YouTube channel. It's the uh, most direct way to support us at the moment. Uh, you can watch this show and all the other shows we do in video version, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation, or the audio version at uh, any radio and podcast platform you like. And if you just want to talk football, uh, you can follow at AC Footy Show on all social media. And uh, that streamlines your experience to just football, as Ace Podcast Nation does shows on all sorts of subjects. But uh, just as we do wait for those uh, three platforms to fill up in the live chat, a big thank you to Black Diamond Sports as ever for the, all their support around the show. They uh, represent sports stars from around the world. For more information, you can visit their social media pages and, of course, their website, uh, links to which are in the description for the episode and, of course, the closing credits at the end of the show. Uh, today's sponsors, as ever, Dan Ralston and Bespoke Financial. Uh, we'll hear, a, well, we'll see a video from them a bit later on. But uh, Dan Ralston of Bespoke Financial is giving away a free will worth £140 with each new policy taken out at the moment. So uh, check them out. Don't miss out on what is a phenomenal offer. Give them a call. See if there's anything which uh, might interest you, something which could help you. Uh, obviously, they've looked after Andy with various policies over the years, including the critical illness and the injury cover. Uh, they are top of their field and provide an award-winning service. But uh, they do all sorts of different cover and insurance. And uh, they are branching out around the UK. So I urge you to, uh, to check them out. But uh, with no further ado, introducing first of all the goal collector. He is the fox in the box. He is still the king of the Millennium Stadium. The QPR dream killer. It is David Jones' favourite son. The co-host us with the most us. Ex-Cardiff City and Middlesbrough striker. 
Mr Andy Campbell, how goes it, my friend? I'm very good, mate, yeah, thank you. Um, Monday comes around really quickly, doesn't it? It uh, just seems it just uh, like a boomerang. It's brilliant. No, I really... Um, regardless of what's going on in the world, Mondays are uh, starting to become... And Fridays, by the way. But Mondays, especially with uh, with, with live guests, are uh, becoming my favourite day of the week because it uh, gives us a, a chance to relive some really good moments, meet some very interesting people and... Uh, and this just as much, just as much as everybody else is uh, this, they're really excited for this show. Um, I'm interested to see though. You know, I'm not going to give the game away, but um, let's see who the who all our lovely viewers think's got the best ac- accent by the end of the show. Who's uh, <laughs> who's got the best accent? Let's see. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not throwing out there. I'm just. Um, let's see. Eh? Let's see. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> um, I was going to say uh, it's going to be a very busy week on Ace Podcast Nation this week because we've literally got. Live show tonight, live show possibly Wednesday, live show Thursday, live show Friday. So it's going to be very interesting, uh, more on that later. But tonight's guest is uh, Northland College head coach and Leicester City fan all the way from America. It is Mr. Greg Gilmore. How goes it, Greg? It's going good. Thanks for having me, you guys. I've been listening now for around a month and excited to be here. And Hopefully I have the best accent. I'd like to think I probably have the most <laughs> unique accent. The you, you certainly, yeah, you certainly do. I've not, I've not, I've not heard it, you know. And, and what's confusing me a little bit is, 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 is Cade's comment, uh, Evening Lads, which is, which is fine. And then we've got uh, another comment from uh, one, of your, um, uh, one of your lovely players, I think, um, Isaac Clark, who says afternoon. And it's just going to confuse the life out of me this time. So, <laughs> you know, I look outside, it's dark. I'm guessing it's quite bright where you are greg so it's um middle of the day uh, regarding Cade's <laughs> comment i can certainly not be doing what he's doing right now we're uh <laughs> two o'clock i'm still in the office right now uh, yeah no but uh, great to have you on um we've been quite lucky haven't we side that we've um that we've uh with probably my age especially and the people that i know it's um i know a lot of managers know a lot of coaches know a lot of people who um who've had a good um, background in, in bringing players through to, uh, to certain levels. And I think it's so important. Coaches and managers, I think, um, don't, don't underestimate how, how much of an influence they have on people's careers. And especially at uh, an age, side, you know, that, you know, I mean, your boys play football and um, at various levels. And it's, um, it's, it's kids and I class people, you know what I mean? Kids as anyone younger than me, you know what I mean? I, we had Joe Jacobs on who's over 13, He's still a kid to me, um, but it's so important for kids to have and young people and young adults to have those aspirations and inspirations from their coaches. Yeah, no, it's I'm really lucky to be doing what I'm doing. Uh, you're, I'm dealing with 18 to 22, sometimes 23, 24 year olds every day. And obviously, you know, having a career around soccer, as we call it over here, it's I consider myself blessed every day. Uh, but as you kind of touched on, it's so much more than just you know, coaching the X's and O's, tactical decisions. It's I'm dealing with kids when they're at one of the more vulnerable areas of their life. They're kind of learning how to be adults very often. They're hundreds or thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of miles away from home. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It's again, it's just so much more than soccer at the college level, but I, I'm very lucky to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And well, just what you said there, one of your comments there about um, it's more than just football, you know, the football and I was quite lucky, you know. That I know my dad watches the show religiously. He comes in the comments, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even like to think where my life and where where my path would have gone if it wasn't for football. Football saves a lot of people. Sport saves a lot of people. Um, coaches save a lot of people. People who push you in a certain direction, you know. What I mean, help with uh, with that especially. But you know, what I mean, you're a coach, you're a mentor, um, you're a father figure when those parents aren't there. Um, 
you know what I mean? You've got to be the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, <laughs> so it's, you know what I mean? It, you know what I mean? Trying to be someone's friend one minute and then be tougher than the next. It's it must be a, a contrast of emotions every day with with every day just being so different. Especially what's going on in the world as well now. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a delicate balance, and some of the things you just said, like it's kind of why I wanted to get into coaching. Uh, you mentioned like a coach kind of helping someone get on the right path. When I was uh, you know, seventeen, eighteen, in high school, I probably wasn't making the best decisions for my life, if I'm being honest. And I got really lucky to play for uh, Tim Penrod, who was my college coach. He was with me for all four years and he kind of put me on a different path. And I sometimes joke with him and, you know, my family, I have no idea where I'd be probably nowhere good if I hadn't kind of encountered coach Penrod. And I give him a lot of credit. And now, like I said, I, I get to work in soccer, football, Uh, a bad day at the office is a loss. I mean, to me, that's a bad day that, beats most other jobs as far as I'm concerned. And we've said this, I haven't we, you know, that there's and 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 people people beg to differ. People see football as life and death and and I think probably I probably saw that up until a certain level what's going on in the world that when I played that I was devastated about a loss and then you go home and you see your family and things look a lot better and you know what I mean when when these uh, young people are, are going back to the way they live in their, their, their own rooms and um, sharing rooms or whatever it, it, it must be it must be getting that right balance because mental health is rife anyway that the best time with young people because of social media um, football anyway girls you know what I mean there's so, so many factors which which play on young people's minds and then the good performance, bad performance, being injured, being fit, um, not being as good as somebody else. It, 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 listen, to, you know I mean, people say, would I, would I like to turn the clock back and do my football career again? And no, you know what I mean. I, I'm happy what I've done. I'm happy that 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 I wasn't the best football in the world, but I, I got the best out of what Andy Campbell had, and um, and I know the pain on the hard days. I know the pain what I went through physically, mentally, um, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a yearly basis, and it was. It was painful, but then the good is good. And I'd like to relive those moments again, but there's no guarantee you're ever going to do that. You know what I mean? So it's sometimes nice to to just accept and be grateful of what you've achieved and then just let somebody else take over. I think people overlook kind of the mental side of not just college athletes, especially professional athletes, like at the pro level. And you look at social media, and I think a lot of people forget that these people have families. You know, they have it, – it's a, it's a job. It's a ton of work. And here at the college level, I mean – it's we're training year round at times, you know, we're in the weight room all the time, fitness center or doing tactical sessions in a classroom. And then on top of that, these guys are trying to balance a college education. So Hmm. it's just a lot. And I think a lot of people kind of take that for granted. And to me from the coaching side, it's, it's a privilege and a, I'd say a reward to kind of help guys through that process. Well, obviously I'm quite, I'm quite lucky because obviously I got, I got to, I got to meet you through, um, through obviously one of your, um, good young players, obviously yeah, Isaac Clark from the UK. Um, obviously, I I was very lucky um, to. Um, I won't say I wouldn't. I would never take any credit for because um, the level that I that I met Isaac through was uh, was junior football, so it was probably under tens, under elevens, and uh, we had more fun than we did learning football. We had uh, for me, it's about kids being kids, and it's about kids. Yeah taking shots, it's about kids scoring goals, it's about kids trying to win football matches, but having fun and not and, and just not stopping, you know, that training twice a week, playing on a Sunday, um, doesn't matter win, lose or draw, yes, we all want to win, of course we do, because it's a, it's it's something that never goes away from people as you get older, you know what I mean, so you've got to instill that losing mentality sometimes, that winning mentality, because it's part and parcel of, of growing up, and um, obviously I spoke to uh, Isaac over the last year quite uh, quite a lot of times over the phone and and things, and he he tells me how um, 
the different things he's doing, you know what I mean? And I think, geez, could I have done that as a, as a, as a young player? Probably not. Um, you know, I, I used to hate the hate weights. I used to hate <laughs> the, the gym. I used to hate doing anything apart from going out on the football pitch and, and doing fitness, probably speed sessions or doing shooting drills or keep ball drills or, or doing the, the fundamental things that I was happy with. And football's evolved so much. So can you see in a short space of time then how, how much that has evolved? I mean, the weight room thing, That's I'd say that's evolved a ton over the last 10 years, maybe over the last five years, three years. Like when I was a player, you can't see my arms right now, but we didn't put a huge emphasis on lifting and that really shows. Now, look at, most look college. At these, look at these. There's, no, <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing here. Look. Yeah. It's just it's a bit of flab, a bit of fat. <laughs> exactly. But now you look at all the college programs and everything, uh, they're putting a huge emphasis on it. We're, if you go back maybe four or five years as well, college programs used to just get out on the field as much as possible. And like, I remember my first preseason, we were training three times a day, six days a week. And by day three, like no one could walk. Mm. And so I think the science of just kind of the health of the athletes, like there's a better way to do this. And I think things are coming a long ways, but at the same time, like you touched out, a lot of people aren't comfortable with weight room. We're still getting tons of guys like that. And it's sometimes a challenge to get them to buy in. But the good thing is with the weight room, once you start seeing results, guys usually get pretty excited. Yeah, well, I think that's a young mentality side, isn't it? You know, I mean, we spoke, haven't we, yeah. that, that you know, obviously you've got young kids and I've got, I've got young girls, but it's still who play sport as well. But it's important that, you know what I mean, it's, it's not about, it's about being the best that you can be. And if that's being um, a little bit more streetwise, as in a little bit stronger physically, that'll help you going a long way. That, you know, I mean, as a centre forward, for example, being able to hold off a defender, as a central defender, being stronger than a centre forward, there's no point just getting bullied off people. It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up, but you know what I mean. For it's a whole package. You just mentioned preseason there. I remember my first my first preseason back when I was sixteen in Middlesbrough, and um, we got dropped off at um, a place called Eston. You know what I mean? I, 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 for those in Middlesbrough, know what I'm talking about. That we got it's like a it's like a country park. So we got dropped off at the entrance, and the bus drove to the exit, which is a good, um, well, probably twelve fifteen miles away. Um, you know what I mean, running through the park and up the hills and down the hills and up the steps, down the steps, uh, and then would pick this up at the other end. So the quicker you finish, the quicker you could go home, which is just a, it's such an old school way to think about it. And I just, um, not for me, you know, football's evolved, <laughs> um, you know, that it's, it's about um, uh, matches, fitness, um, it's about an, 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 a whole array of things and not just about just getting on the field, running for 12, 15 minutes and, and then carrying on. It's such a, an old school way of doing it. But I think, Managers and coaches have to take that credit for that to evolve and change because if it wasn't for those guys, and I'm and I'll probably talk about Sam Allardyce. So Sam, for me, is the biggest influence in British football who made that change for English football, and that's and, and that's without a doubt. And I was lucky enough to play for Sam, and his methodology. I went on loan for for about a month, two months, and and, and I went back to Middlesbrough, and I couldn't believe that it was like chalk and cheese. And I was going down a level, going back to the Premier League, and the Middlesbrough were far. Million miles behind, unfortunately, and that's just the way it was. One of the first managers who brought in like technology for analysis and things like that. That's why I always think he gets a bit of a rough deal, like because of the way his teams play football. It's almost Mm. like assumed that he's like an old school kind of manager who's a bit of a Mm. dinosaur, and I don't think that's the case at all. Like I don't know him, never met him, never spoken to him by any means, but but I know that he brought in a side coaching that no other manager had brought in before that. And I think he no, I agree. a tremendous amount of credit. I agree. Because he so it's, it's, it's 
it's disrespectful. It is disrespectful yeah, because, because I, I remember that I remember my time at Bolton with him um, and he had uh, Michael Ricketts up front. He had Ricardo Gardner on one wing. I can play on the other. He had Kevin Nolan. You know what I mean? Attacking-wise, there was no more attacking player in the championship at the time than his side. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Yes, he's, he's, he's now in, in, a, in a league which is ultra-attacking. Um, there's, there's so much money involved in football, he can't afford to lose. So, he's sat defending a result like he was at Wolves at the weekend. You know what I mean? And people say his brand of football is not very good. I do understand that, but there's so much pressure on a manager to get results. You know what I mean? It's he, 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 it's well, exactly. It's the same as... I totally agree. And... You know what I mean? Him more than most, you know what I mean? His reputation's been hit for the negative way of what happened in the past with him being England manager. You know what I mean? So I think people have to give him a little bit of slack and understand what he's done throughout his career. He's, he's, he's evolved football in England and evolved football clubs. You know what I mean? Because look at the state Bolton Wonders are in since he left. You know what I mean? There's, it, there's no, it's no coincidence for me. 100%. Um, OK, so what we'll do to start us off, uh, Greg, is we'll do the Magnificent Seven, which is uh, seven quick-fire questions for you, uh, just to, so the viewers can get to know you a little bit, put you to the test. So, I'm, in, I'm intrigued here. There's going to be one good question at the end, isn't there? <laughs> at least one. Always good the last one. I know, but the last one's going to be amazing if I can guess it now, but I'm not going to guess it, but I'm hoping... I pressed it a bit earlier then, mate. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'd have pressed it straight away just to cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, Greg Gilmore, Magnificent Seven. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Easy one, though. Favourite TV show? Oof, favourite TV show. Oh. Uh, my fiance is going to kill me if I answer this wrong. Shit's <laughs> uh, Creek. Okay. Uh, okay. Not on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's great. Don't judge it on the first episode because I judged it on the first episode, stopped watching, got back into it. One of my favorite TV shows ever. Like it. I have to have a look at that. Uh, Jamie Vardy or Gary Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy. I don't even need to see it. So here's the second name. Like it. Two Leicester legends. Uh, Ranieri or Brendan Rogers. Oh man! Uh, see, uh, see. In my opinion, this is easier than the last one. I, yeah, I think that as well. I, well, I think it's tough because I, I want to think about the future here as well. But Claudio Ranieri brought Leicester something that I mean, it's just never yeah, exactly. been done in sports at five thousand to one. But I'm going to yeah. go with Rogers. Oof! Oof. Uh, Controversial. Consistency matters. <laughs> uh, so, football or NFL? Football. I was I was gonna put uh, I put soccer, but I refused. I had this conversation <laughs> with, the guy that, with the guy that I do the wrestling podcast with. He was from uh, Washington, and um, I refused to call it soccer. I can't. But anyway, that's my problem. Uh, oh. <laughs> Premier League or MLS? Oh, <laughs> Premier League. It's. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't know if you guys have watched an MLS game, and I'm not trying to be down on it, but. Premier League, no doubt. I think I think I think we I think we might be watching a little bit more as well because um, Phil Neville's just got the into Miami job today. So yeah, I wonder how he got that job. That's interesting. Yeah, I know. I, I wondered that. You know, I really, I really wondered that. Yeah, I wonder if he knows the chairman. Oh. <laughs> yeah. MLS is getting better and better, but it's still we still got a little bit of ways to go. The pro. 
Right, we'll do the last question, and I'm going to put a question to you both in a minute about that, um, about Inter-Miami. Um, the last question is, who is the greatest American man to ever live? Doesn't have what? to be football-related. What a question. What a question. The greatest American man to ever live. Well, this might not be the best answer, but considering what the day is over here, it is Martin Luther King Jr. Day in the United States today, and I'll go with uh, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, moved the needle so far for civil rights here in the United States. And he's a hero, he's a legend, and it's his day. So, good answer. Like it, Greg. Good, great answer. Absolutely wonderful answer. Love it. That's the best I'd... answer we've had to any. <laughs> do, do you know what? I'll, 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 yeah, I'll give you that. And do you know what? I didn't even know it was that day. So, fair play. Just timing's everything, Si, isn't it? Timing's everything. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, back to the MLS. I wanted to ask you will it be good or bad? If into Miami when they start up, uh, if David Beckham uh, brings in a load of his mates, whether it's your Zlatans and your, you know, all these, you know, whoever he's played with over the years, he can bring in a lot of people. He's got a lot of friends, and they basically just win everything off the first season. Is it that going to be good or bad? Is it good because they're going to bring all these kind of superstars, even if they're coming to the end of their careers? to draw attention to the league and get more eyes on it? Or is it bad that someone can just come in, sign, you know, bring in his mates and basically win everything easily? I'll let you... Oh, I'll, I'll let you... I'll go first. Sorry, mate. I'll, I should have I'll, I'll start. No, that's fine. Um, I think, I think the, the signing of Phil Neville, I think it will raise the profile of, of the MLS. I think with his background in, um, uh, in, a fo- in football at Man United, at Everton, with England, um, even with the, with the Lionesses, I think, it's a, I, think it's a good, I think it's a good move what, what, what David Beckham's done by bringing him in. The proof in the pudding is going to be um, signings, who he's going, to, who he's going to bring in. You know what I mean? Will that be an open checkbook? If it is, who does Phil Neville know? And I'm not being disrespectful to Phil, by the way, here, because Phil's a very talented man, a good coach, excellent footballer. Um, who's Phil going to know to bring in? He's going to know English players and British players, first and foremost. So there's not that many English footballers, British footballers, who are playing in the MLS at the, at the minute. So it'll be interesting to see how many go over there to play. You know what I mean? Will, um, just thinking outside the box, you know, that, that will, he, will, he, will he go for some of the Premier League players who aren't playing? Will he look at some lads from, um, will it be a link with the club? You know what I mean? That sometimes happens. You look at um, the Man City link um, with New York City but, um, and Melbourne as well in, in the Air League. Will Inter Miami try and get a link with the club? Will that be Everton? Will that be Man United? Will it be another side? I, d- I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to say Salford because I don't think the two teams are at, at, at that kind of level. But do I think it'll be a good move to answer your question? Yes, I do for the, for the football club. I think it'll be a, I think it'll raise a profile and I think it'll help Miami get to a level quicker than they did last year. Previous, I thought last year in their first season, I thought they were. Yes, COVID-related. I thought they were poor, though. But the games that I watched, because I watched it with a bit of interest, I think the standard of the players they brought, they brought in weren't great. Um, they brought in a lad from Celtic, for example, who, who, was, who was a big name, a winger, attacking player. But for me, I think with David Beckham's name, I'm expecting some bigger players. And they did bring bigger players in towards the end um, with a couple of lads from Paris Saint-Germain and a couple of French internationals. So, you know what I mean? The, the standard of the players are going to get better and going to get to that level, I think. I think anytime where the United States is bringing players in from overseas, it's a it's a good thing for the MLS. I think over the last ten years, we've kind of seen some people start to come over in the twilight hours of their career, and I would like to think that as that continues, and I imagine it's going to continue with Inter Miami, that more 
and more players are going to start coming just earlier and earlier. And I think if you go back in general, a lot of guys have enjoyed their time in the U.S. It's kind of a a chance to not be someone that whenever they walk down the street that a thousand people are going to come running up to them. Hmm. So I would like to think that even if they, let's say they, they do bring in a bunch of guys that they know and just dominate the league right away, I don't think that'll necessarily be a negative thing. I think it's going to help the league grow. I think it's going to help other teams grow. Uh, so I, I look at it as a good thing. Yeah, no, I totally agree, Si. I think it's important that uh, Greg nailed it there for me about um, about players. You know what I mean? The players want a bit of privacy. You know what I mean? That, that Robbie Keane mentioned it. David Beckham mentioned it. Other players have gone over and mentioned it, that it's a little bit more laid back. The pre-match is a little bit more laid back, that they're doing interviews before a game, that people are coming in the in the locker room or the changing room and having a, having conversations and doing mini-interviews, which doesn't happen. You know what I mean? You're lucky if you can get anywhere 10 foot, 10 foot away from a Premier League footballer during, before and after a game now. So, you know what I mean? Supporters don't get anywhere near them. And I, I think that's, for me, where the link's been lost a little bit in the UK. You know what I mean? The, the relationship between fans and players is poor now. It used to be a lot better when I played. The relationship I've got with supporters um, for every club I play for and on here is, is fantastic. Um, and I think sometimes that, that gets lost in transition. And in the US, you know what I mean, they've got they've got certain things better. You know what I mean, they're still missing out on a lot of things. But I think with high-profile people comes um, professionalism and can run a club the way that they want to get run and whatever things they want to implement is only going to be, be- it's only going to be beneficial for the, the MLS, not just into Miami, but other clubs as well are going to follow suit and copy because if something works for them, other teams are going to follow it because it's going to work because, you know what I mean, if that's bringing in an English manager, coach, um, or players, or whatever that may be, I think it's only going to be beneficial. Greg said it about players who played in the Premier League are marketable. You know what I mean? They sell. People will watch them. So if, you know what I mean, if, if that's another Robbie Keane, so a big name player getting dotted around in Club X, Club Y, Club Z, I think it's um, it can only be good for the um, for the standard of play, for the clubs, for the uh, for the TV rights, for people watching it. It's bringing in more money drivers. too. Yeah. Like when Ibrahimovic came over here, I did, there was just jerseys everywhere and I think he was only yeah. here for like one or two years. And same thing with Wayne Rooney. It also yeah. gets uh, MLS games on national TV more and it's just, it, it helps draw people in. So I think it's great and I hope it happens. I think yeah, one of the worst things that right. could happen is if Miami flops. That would be yeah. bad. I think, well, um, I think it'd be bad for loads of, loads of factors. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, David Beckham's wallet as well would be one of them. <laughs> I think um, I I do wonder why the MLS doesn't always uh, they they focus very much on kind of players from Europe who are coming to the end of their career, um, like a Zlatan and like Rooney. Whereas I always think they're missing the boat a little bit by maybe looking at young Premier League players who are not getting playing time who could go out there for a year, get a phenomenal learning experience, uh, experience a completely different culture, but also be good enough to play in the MLS. And also, kind of like I don't, I don't players. think they'll. Si, I don't think they'll come back. I don't think some of them are going to come back. I'll be honest. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're, if you're a club, um, uh, Galaxy, but you know I, what I mean? You're living in LA and you've got the weather, you've got the lifestyle, you've got the football. As a player, what else do you want? You know what I mean? You're getting paid because you love doing some of what you're doing. You know what I mean? You get you're getting well paid for it. You're you're oh, a superstar because if you're you've just said it there. If you're if you're targeting players who are going to play regular, do well, excel. You know what I mean? For me, I'd rather be the best player in the league at 22, 23, 24 than be sat at number twenty fifth man at yeah. Tottenham Hotspur, for example, and not yeah. be players and still getting paid. So, 
my thinking is like obviously these all these legends if you like who are going over they expect a certain amount of money am i right in saying there's still a salary cap in the mls yeah i saw someone commented on that over there we have designated players as well so there's a couple each team has a couple spots where they can really you know break the bank but for the most part just professional sports in the u.s in general financially are just structured so much different where it's it would be difficult for a Play, especially a young player to come over and make anywhere near what he potentially could make in England. Uh, I would imagine some players when they're younger would be a little bit nervous about coming to the U S and potentially like if you're in an Academy setup over in England that they might not, I mean, if your dream is to someday play for Manchester United, like people are going to tell them that, Hey, if you go over there and join, you know, DC United, like that dream's over. And I don't know if that's yeah. actually true. In my opinion, I don't think it is. Uh, someone mentioned, Jack Harrison in the chat who, you know, got his start in New York over here. But I would imagine there's a large sentiment like that right now. Yeah, I think, um, funny enough, sorry, Jan. Um, no, sorry. So the academy, which my boys play for, they, um, the Goldberg, my older boy, they uh, send, they, every year they go out to America and they do like a tour of all the different clubs. And they all, you know, they have a trial of all these goalkeepers. They take about 20 of them. Of like academy age or just about to turn academy age and they all basically try out for scholarships and then they move out there and they've so i think they've sent in the last sort of three or four years they've sent about 20 30 goalkeepers out so like you said i think it's a phenomenal opportunity and i got a couple of friends who went and did coaching to coach children but they did it in america um, and they moved out as they started off just going out there for a summer doing like summer camps and stuff like that I think it's like for young people who are interested in either coaching or maybe playing football but haven't had the opportunities with a championship club or a Premier League club and they're sort of 17, 18, if you can get some sort of scholarship to go out to America and get do an education at the same time, like why wouldn't you do it? And like you said, and like about the people like not wanting to come back, and I think that is fairly common with a couple of the people, mm. like who I've mentioned there, who've gone over as players, done their scholarship, mm. and they've decided to stay out there and pursue. I think it's boys, boys and girls as well, sir. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you know what I mean. You look at the standard of women's football in America is is ridiculous, ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? That yeah, that's um, normal. You, you know what I mean? You look at um, you, you look at everyone raves about the, the the league that we've got. You know what I mean? The WSL, and yes, it's strong, but. Americans are coming over, making it strong. Managers are coming over, making it stronger. Players are coming over. The biggest names in the world are coming here to make it stronger. They're going back because it's not what they thought it was. You know what I mean? And 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 you can't fault them. You know what I mean? They're, they're, back there, they've got the weather. Back there, they've got the lifestyle. Back there, they've still got the football. They've still got the facilities. They've still got the pitches. It's a no-brainer sometimes. You know what I mean? It's 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 so yeah. different. And you know what I mean? The Premier League's always going to be the Premier League. You know what I mean? I can I can look at it from so different from so many different angles. And when you get to a certain a certain age, you know what I mean? There's a lot. There's tried it. Then he came back. You know what I mean? For me, it's it has a span, a lifespan. You know what I mean? That it's probably a season or two. David Beckham did it. You know what I mean? Loved it. Stayed out there next season. Robbie Keane. He brought Robbie Keane. No, he didn't bring Robbie Keane. But Robbie Keane played in the same team. And it's 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 an it's an unbelievable opportunity for people to sample. Uh, different lifestyle, different way of thinking. Um, well, for the young guys too, brilliant. you get yeah. that well-rounded experience if you're choosing the college route. Like, I mean, you get four years, and I don't know if it's like we have a ten million dollar stadium here. So guys, and let's say Same guys it. play for four Same years, it. and then they, you know, they don't get any offers after to move on their career. Well, you still have an education from a 
pretty good university that so you still have other pathways maybe you want to get into coaching there's just there's a lot of options so it's not kind of a be-all end-all go pro or bust approach over here Hmm. You mentioned coaching, Greg, there. We had a question um, from Reese a bit earlier on, which I was kind of saving until it came up. Uh, he said, um, to become a coach in the US, even at college, do you need to have, uh, do you need UEFA badges or coaching badges? Equivalent, maybe, yeah. Yeah, we have uh, two different badge systems over here. You don't. It really depends on who the hiring manager is or who's in charge at the school. Some athletic directors, athletic directors are my boss here they'll value them and some won't, but there's no like hard requirement to be coaching in the NCA with the badges. Okay. So we've had some phenomenal questions already. Um, and last week I missed a couple, which were early because I left them and then we ran out of time. So I just want to um, throw a couple at you, Greg, uh, while, uh, while we're here. Uh, so Stuart Campbell, who's Andy's dad, uh, said, how popular is football, soccer in brackets, compared with uh, American football in your college and other I'm, USA colleges? I'm not sure that's a question. He didn't put a question mark on it again. So he's, he's, he's slacking again, isn't he? Well, I'm pretty lucky here at our college. We don't have American football here. So when we're in season, you know, we're the, we're the main attraction on campus. In terms of culturally in the United States, I think everyone knows American football is kind of king over here. But I will say... It, the soccer, football, it's it's getting better and better over here, and it's getting more popular as well. And I think we'll start to see on the international scene as well kind of the results of soccer getting more and more popular over here. We've got a lot of guys coming up through the national system right now that I think we're pretty excited about. Uh, if anyone's not seen, by the way, please um, go on uh, Northland College's uh, <laughs> website or just, just to see the facilities because – uh, I was very lucky that uh, Isaac's dad sent me um, uh, a link to watch one of the games, and um, well, the, one of the first games I watched. And the facility, the pitch, everything about it was just uh, unbelievable. Just it, it was just crazy to think that there's there's facilities out there. And if this happens at other colleges, so you when you go to other other teams, yes, it's going to differ a little bit with um, yeah. with stadium and things. But it's just it's a, it's just a, an unbelievable platform to play football, and just it must be so enjoyable, Greg. For uh, for those players to have that in, on their doorstep so they know that that's where they're going to be playing. It's awesome. Uh, the school built it before I got here, so I got to walk into a situation where it's it's a lot of work kind of rebuilding the program here as the quality of the program wasn't the strongest when I got here, and that's probably putting it a little lightly. But anyways, it's the facilities we have. We're very lucky. I mean, it's awesome to be able to walk out on that field every single day knowing that we have – one of the best around and i think our players actually really appreciate it you know they when i say like hey we got to keep things clean like they're bought in uh it's just the entrance it's not just the field it's not just the quality it's the entire architecture of it and again that's there's a lot of colleges out there that you know take athletics really seriously and when you talk about facilities it's just it can be another plus to the college experience yeah, fantastic uh, question question for you and or and and me i guess um gaz asks uh do you think uh, Greg looks like British comedian Jack Whitehall, or is it just him? Um, I think he does I, a little bit. Do you reckon? I don't know. Yeah, I do a little bit. I, I'm a big fan of Jack, so I yeah. Some, uh, yeah I don't even know who that is. Oh, I was going to try to look him up. I saw that question, and I was about to Google him. Apparently, he's a big flop in America, wasn't he? Apparently, I'm a big fan. He's, 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 he's huge in the UK, um, but yeah, Sile, uh, Sile, bring one up. 
No, and we'll do a side by side, shall we? <laughs> um, but just while I do that, uh, Donna asks, uh, Greg, uh, why do you support Leicester? Uh, I saw that question earlier on. So after I graduated, you know, I didn't really have a team that I was willing to wake up at 5 a.m. for to watch. And it was the year before they won the Premier League. I cannot stress that enough. And <laughs> I, I want to say it was probably the middle of the 14-15 year. Maybe it was early. Uh, I was just watching what random game is Manchester United versus Leicester City. And it was a game where Manchester United went up 3-1. to one. And Leicester came back and won 5-3. And they talked a lot about Jamie Vardy in that game as well, his kind of rags to riches story. And it was just the way Leicester played, the kind of and their motto at stadium, fearless foxes and all that stuff. I didn't know it at the time, but uh, I just really identified with the team, the way they were, I mean, they were pressing a bunch that game, it, just doing all the hard work, had no business competing with Manchester United that day. And so I started paying attention after that game, kind of fell in love with the Jamie Vardy story. And for the most part, the rest of the year, that was pretty terrible until they made the great escape, winning seven out of the last nine. And that's when I was like, you know, it really fit with kind of where I was coaching at the time, uh, long before here, and just kind of fell in love with the team. Uh, my dog drinks out of a Leicester City dog bowl now. I have way <laughs> too many jerseys, pajama pants, all sorts, slippers, all sorts of stuff. And obviously with the next year, it worked out really well. Uh, not even I could have expected that. But yeah, that's the long answer, I guess. That game side was, um, we spoke about this. Um, oh, we wow. spoke about, it's, it's a good picture. Good picture. Good picture as well, by the way. Uh, we spoke about that game, Greg. Last, uh, I think it was last week. Cause we're on about we're on about goals, weren't we? And uh, and that was, I'm sure that was the game where um, Angel Di Maria did that, scored that unbelievable chip against uh, against Casper Schmeichel, wasn't it? Yeah, he also. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, no, it wasn't him. I remember the chip, but I mean, I just remember Jamie Vardy setting up three goals that game. Yeah. But no, that was definitely it. Greg, do you use um, the Jamie Vardy story? Um, with players and, and to give them inspiration that anything's possible? I'd say I give the whole Leicester City story as well as Jamie Vardy. I mean, I don't, it, it becomes a little bit cliche over time, but in terms of that kind of mindset, you know, like it's okay to dream. It's okay to think that better things can happen, even if it's against incredible odds. And it, it kind of relates well to our situation here at Northland. Uh, if you go back the uh, last, I don't know, 18 years, 20 years, uh, the soccer program here hasn't had a, whole lot of and i'm trying to be respectful of the alumni and players that came before us but it just hasn't been a lot of success in terms of wins and results uh, yeah. and i mean you at least look at what we have and you you gotta you gotta dare to think that you know better things can happen that have never been done before and i mean leicester city showed that it really is possible so yeah i don't necessarily always bring it up directly but in terms of what they did what jamie vardy did uh we do use that mindset I think it's important also, isn't it? You know what I mean? We speak about players. We we speak to um, different managers and coaches, and even even players sometimes. That how they, um, what kind of what kind of mindset they use to get players going. How they how they help players get through a season, get through. You know what I mean? And 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 make to the grade they are. And I think that the story of Jamie is just it's is obviously phenomenal. It's 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 an unbelievable thing. Which you know what I mean? The Leicester City thing won't ever happen again. Um, with winning the, winning the Premier League, I don't believe. And, and I also think the Jamie Vardy thing as well, because not it's not about ability for me. You know what I mean? Jamie's ability is unquestionable. You know what I mean? But what's better than Jamie Vardy's ability is how much desire the boy's got to get from the job he was doing, 
to then go and play at Stock, Stocksbridge Park Steelers, to then go to Halifax Town, to, you know what I mean, to then be a, a cult hero, you know what I mean, I was very fortunate to play at Halifax Town before Jamie went there, um, and you know what I mean, that football club has a, has, a, has, a, has a good place in my heart, but you know what I mean, to, to, to leave a legacy and put them in the position where, where, they, where he has now financially and positionally where they are, you know what I mean, is I, I think that the whole of, of, of the of the of the place and the football club owes him quite owes him, owes him so so much you know and he and he's very humble as well you know that uh, you know what I mean I seen I seen an interview yesterday he was, I'm sure his wife's doing um, dancing on ice or something and <laughs> um, and I seen I seen his interview and he's just he just comes across really likable you know what I mean he comes across that he's he knows his own story he knows his own abilities he knows his limitations but do you know what if he finds something hard he's going to run through a brick wall he's going to try and try and try and he won't give up and. I don't think he can ever fault that. You know what I mean? And a lot of young players at Leicester, a lot of young players in the world, a lot of young players in Britain should should look up to him and think, you know what, I might not be the best player in the world. I might not I might not have this, this and this. I might not be as good as someone else in my team. But you know what? I can give everything I've got. I can try more than he can. I can get fitter than he can and, and just try and get um little little tinks in my armour better than somebody else. I mean, that's exactly in that 5-3 Manchester game. Like, I didn't realize how deep everything went, but that's why I kind of fell in love with the team and the player. And it's just, that's one thing you players everywhere can control is their work rate, how much they want it, how much desire they have. And to me, Jamie Jamie Vardy just exemplifies that. And, you know, if you really are going 110% all the time, if you really are sprinting after all those long balls that at times seem hopeless, uh, what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, look at what potentially could happen. So I, I think it's great. And I hope more and more people kind of pay attention to him and don't forget what he did. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I, and I think it's important though, Si, isn't it? You know what I mean? That, 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 that Greg spoke about Brendan Rodgers and I think, um, I think a manager like Brendan and, and his forward thinking and the way that he, 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 he really thinks about his tactics and thinks about the way that he plays and, and, and the way that he plays about, um, about playing on the break and, and the pace he's got on the counter attack with Madison, and, and and you know what I mean. You don't have to. We 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 have a have a grumble every Friday about Middlesbrough and Cardiff about playing one man up front and uh, and seeing it as a, as a negative way of playing. But it's not a negative way of playing if you have the right players in the right holes. You know what I mean. And when you've got Jamie Vardy playing up front on his own, sometimes um, I watched the Newcastle game. I think um, a couple of Sundays ago and. Madison was unplayable in that ten roll, um, linking in midfield, getting getting in behind when he needed to, playing out wide when he had to, and, and Jamie Vardy was playing up front in a, in a, in a th- four on his own and chasing lost causes like you say, getting on to through balls from uh, from the midfielders and the wide men, and it, it just works a treat. And if it's not if it's not broke, why fix it? You know what I mean? There's 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 certain method in managers' madness, and if you don't need two centre forwards, you can fill other holes yeah. tactically better than someone else can. I mean, Rogers has done a great job kind of just transitioning the team to one that's not always defending and just relying on Jamie Vardy. And that's actually why I, you said Ranieri versus Rogers. That's why I picked Rogers because I think we Lester actually has a chance to, you know, be fighting in that top six year after year after year after year. You're never going to fight for that spot year after year after year if you're just defending 90% of the game and hoping to get Vardy on the break. That's just not sustainable. So. I mean, yeah, it's Madison's been a joy to watch as well. Kind of one thing I really like about Rodgers and what he's doing with Leicester, depending on who we're playing, some of the adjustments he makes and same thing at halftime, it's he's got to be towards the top of the league right now. And if you look at the Manchester City game where we whacked them, I think he was five to one or something. It was very early on in the year. If you watch the first half and you didn't know the score, 
you would think that Leicester was going to lose that game five to one. They were getting absolutely dominated, and uh, Rogers just completely changed the game at halftime. It's I, I'm pretty lucky to be able to watch him every single Saturday, Sunday, whenever. Yeah, whatever day now, just every day. Not so lucky that I sometimes have to get up at five a.m. to do it, but it's what it is. And quick question from me, really, Uh, Casper Schmeichel. Do you think he would get more credit if he played for Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea? Because I think, from a consistency point of view, he's been one of the best Premier League goalkeepers in the last ten years. When you look at some of the high-profile mistakes that. De Gea has made, uh, the Chelsea goalkeepers have made, the Man City keepers have made, even the Liverpool keepers have made a couple. Like, you don't really see a lot of that from Kasper Schmeichel. He's a very safe pair of hands and he also makes some unbelievable saves. I just wonder what you think, because I often think, because I thought he'd end up, at, I thought he would end up at United. And I think probably the fact that Chelsea, uh, that Leicester won the league probably ended that because he didn't need yeah. to go to a club like that to then go and win trophies because he was capable of winning them with Leicester. But do you feel like he doesn't get enough credit for maybe being as good as he is? I think there's two things for me. Um, I, I think the first one is like the Leicester City factor. I don't think they're as fashionable as other teams. So if he was playing at uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, Man United, he would get far more credit um, because he, he very rarely makes mistakes. Um his, his shot stopping, his uh, distribution is just phenomenal. What doesn't do Casper Spiegel any favours is who his dad is. And <laughs> because his dad was, if not one of the one best of the goalkeepers best ever. ever to grace yeah. a football pitch, must be the best thing ever for Casper because he's got that um, he's got that on his doorstep where he can ask advice. He's got that he's got that. Um, He's got all the advice he needs. He's, he's he, he can he can go on it any any times he wants. But what comes with it is pressure. You know what I mean? Will he ever live up to how good his dad was? Because people compare him to his dad, and I think that's really unfair. Because um, and you've got Wayne Rooney's son just signed for Man United, so he's Kai's going to be Kai's going to be compared to Wayne straight away. Unfair again. You know what I mean? Everyone's got to be. Comp- no, but you can't compare someone to to, to the parents because. They're, they're built differently. They're, they're so different. You know, what I mean, Casper's got familiarities with his dad. The way he comes out, the way he spreads himself, yep. is is phenomenal, um, and is absolutely fantastic. But I don't think you can compare. Casper Schmeichel played in such a successful team at Man United. He was playing with possibly the best back four, apart from probably Arsenal's that the Premier League's ever seen with. Um, Dennis Irwin, Steve Bruce, Gary Pallister, with Roy Keane ahead of him, and 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 then you've got the class of '92 with Gary Neville. It's it's so unfair to compare because he had a little bit more protection, so he had less to do. Casper's um, had a lot more to do in a in a in a short short space of time in his career, but his shot stopping, his ability, I'm so surprised no one's had a had a had a bite and tried to get him. I'm really surprised. Yeah. But then he was good then, for Cardiff as well when he was. On yeah, Rome, but then though. but then my answer is probably to that as well. I've answered it in a, in a different way. Is He's playing week in, week out. He's earning really good money. He's making a name for himself. He's choking up all his appearances. He's going to break records. So he's playing in international football. He's going to play in World Cups. He's going to play in European Championships. Why does he need to move? Because he might go to a club like Chelsea and he's not number one straight away and he's got to fight for his place. So for me, he's probably know, thinking... Chelsea's probably a bad example of that. Yeah, I'm really just sorry. I just, yeah, I, you know what? I probably... <laughs> I probably, I probably got, I probably could have given a better example, but I think, um, you know, what I mean, I, th- I just think sometimes, you know, what I mean, he's he's made the right decision. 
But yeah. you know what I mean? Like, listen, Peter's probably telling him every every week, go and sign for Man United. Yeah, look at look at David De Gea, go to United, go to United, go to United. But and do you know what? If he ever did, his dad would be the proudest man in the world you because you know what I mean, that would be unbelievable. I mean, he's got some of the best job security in the world right now. You mentioned it. if he goes to one of those bigger clubs, he could be out of the starting spot within half a year, a year. Yeah. Right now, I mean, he's wearing the armband. He's just made his 400th appearance or 401st, something outrageous like that. He's going to be the starter for a long time, and I think that's attractive to him. And if you're going to play international, if you're going to play for your international team, you really have to be getting minutes. And he knows he's going to keep doing that. I think he sees kind of the vision of Lester, Rogers, you know, Vardy's still there. I think he actually thinks that they can, you know, challenge for European places every single year. And I think that's important though for me, Si, that, that it's, he's got a love for the club. He's got an affiliation with what happened to the chairman. You know what I mean? I, I, I really believe that he's got so much love for that group of players, the, the chairman, the fans. I think he, he feels as though he's got to owe them. He owes them something. I don't think he does, yeah. but I, I just think he, he feels as though he does. And there must have been loads of times that, Greg speaks about his first season, the time that the escape relegation. He played a huge part in that. But that season, he was still probably one of their standout players because he was busier than, than any other player on the pitch. So he could have yeah. jumped ship right then and there. I bet he's so glad he didn't because they won the Premier League. But <laughs> you better it be been, <laughs> it been uh, It would have been horrific. But then they win the league. What happened to Kante? Kante leaves, goes to Chelsea. That was uh, probably a window as well where, are we going to do this done. again? Well, people not. forget Vardy almost went to Arsenal that yep. summer. I mean, everyone yep. thought it was a done deal as well, and he was over yep. playing in the World Cup, and he's probably glad he stayed too. Yeah. But yep. in terms of credit, I think I, I, it's completely unfair to compare him to his dad. I, I think you're on to something there, Si. I think he would get credit, more credit if he was somewhere else. I just don't know if he would be playing all the time if he was somewhere else. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? Well, when's the last time you've seen a highlight on a talk show of Schmeichel making a really bad mistake? It doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Doesn't it? Doesn't happen. There was, I think, there was one last year which springs to mind off the top of my head, and I mean that says everything because yeah. I could probably, off the top of my head, name two or three that De Gea has made, two or three that Alice oh. has made, and two or three that even Lloris, the Chelsea yeah. keepers. They yeah. the, between the two keepers, they can't seem to get it in order. Same with I'd Arsenal like, and I'd like know, to make mistakes. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him go to a, a world class side. You know what I mean? Like a one day, you know what I mean? Like see, like a Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know what I mean? And just, uh, gone now, mate, and yeah, he's, just, quite, uh, he's about 30 something, isn't he? I just think he's keepers, though, it, it, it depends how it, keepers can play as long as they want, you know what I mean? As long as he's yeah, looking after himself and he's playing, you know what I mean? He's playing at the level he's playing at, you know what I mean? That He looks super fit, he looks super professional, you know what I mean? He's he's captain, you know what I mean, at times and he's, yeah, listen, you know what I mean, super professional but I, I, what He's won the Premier League, which is great. You don't have any regrets so about winning trophies. You know what I mean. If players want to go off and, and be remembered for something, I don't think any Leicester fan in the world would 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 harm him if he went to one of those big sides in the world. I think they would if they went to an Arsenal or a or a Tottenham or something in England because I think that's a little bit disrespectful. But Leicester fans would would be so grateful for everything he's done for the club if he moved to a world class side. Yes, spot on. Sorry, Greg, go on. You carry on. I was going to say, Casper, if you're out there, no hard feelings from me if you leave, but please stay. I, I like what <laughs> we're doing right now. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to have a couple more questions and then I'm going to go to a quick, quick ad break. Uh, Kay Child says, is there any talent we should watch out for in the MLS for the future uh, as he hadn't had much chance to watch much American football? Good question. I'd say the first one that comes to mind is uh, Paul Ariola, and I'm not totally as up-to-date on some of these guys as I should be. I believe he's with DC United right now, and he's 
uh, pretty big name in the national team. He's relatively on the younger side, but he's definitely one of the guys that over the last year and a half, I've become more and more excited about with the MLS, not just MLS, sorry, our national team as well. And I think everyone knows Christian Pulisic over at Chelsea right yeah, now. Course, yeah. and it's just kind of testimony to we got some things going on over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donna Perry says uh, Cristiano Ronaldo to the MLS to finish his career, maybe. Ooh, I hope. Great shot that. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. That'd be awesome. Uh, great shot. Makes sense, doesn't it? I don't, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's got any links though with um, ex-teammates or Beckham, somebody like an ex. Beckham, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, uh, Phil Neville. I'm not sure he's got any links. So I'm, I'm not. I'll you, mm-hmm. Listen, he could walk into any team he wants in the in the MLS. You've got the biggest yeah. sides in, in the MLS. The Atlanta United who who play, play in front of 80,000 80, fans. I've got an unbelievable stadium. I'm sure it's a Mercedes Stadium and and things. So listen, there's there's, there's plenty of clubs who could afford um, to give him an opportunity. It's it depends about the boy's desire as well, isn't it? You know what I mean? Does he want to continue to play at the level that he's played at all his career, or does he want to have a swan song at the end? It's, it's listen. He's 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 surpassed every one of my expectations. You know what I mean? To, think, to still be doing it in Juventus in yeah. Italy, you know what I mean, is one thing. But then I look at Juventus yesterday; they got beat by Inter Milan. You know what I mean? They they look like they're they're on a die with downward spiral at the minute. You know what I mean? With um, with Perlo there, and it's a transition a little bit and. Will somebody of Cristiano's um, ability and you know what I mean his professionalism? Will he want to finish fourth or fifth? I, I don't think he will. I think he'll want to he'll want to win something. If that's going to another country and 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 finish on the high and score loads of goals, then then so be it. I think part of the problem is he's still playing at such a personal high level mm. that he's going to have so many options aside from the MLS right now for yeah. longer than I anticipated, to be honest. So yeah. I think that's a little bit of an obstacle of getting him here, but. I don't know. He is um, he is so fit and yeah. so good that I would not be surprised if he went back to Man United on loan for a year or just for a year to finish his career because just because of his ties to the club, which seems remarkable when you think of his age, but I just um, I just think it wouldn't surprise me. However, he he does shy away from celebrity a little bit, so I don't know if he'd want to move to somewhere like LA or something like that. But mm. uh, you never know. Um, Rob Boyle says, Andy, would you have liked to have had a crack at the MLS? Um, I, yeah, I probably regret a little bit that I didn't, um, I didn't try uh, to play overseas. I had an opportunity to go to Holland. I, I, listen, I've never had a regret in football. Um, you know what I mean? I, I would have liked it for a lifestyle to see what it was like. I would have liked to, to, to have that little insight um, and just to see what it was like, just to see a different style of football maybe and just to see if it suited the way that I played. But, you know what I mean, for me, you know, I mean, that, you know, what I mean, America wasn't really, um, it wasn't really what it is now, the MLS style. So, you know, what I mean, for me, it was, that wasn't like a, 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 an option, whatever. Tickle I mean, back, if you go, back, if you go back, back in ball. time, some of those MLS teams were playing in like high school stadiums, and yeah. it, there's some old grainy YouTube videos out there, and you would, you'll watch it, and you'll be like, that's professional American soccer back then, and. It really depends on the era and where the MLS was at, because what the MLS is now, it was not. It's just not what it used to be. Yeah. Well, even when Pele and George Best came over for a a stint, they played in some. Yeah. uh, What did they they play? Green Green Bay. They played for the Green Bay Packers, didn't he? I'm sure. Yeah. It's just like he played in the Packers stadium, which was one of the biggest ones in the world. But Lambeau Field. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, There's there's a comment in the group chat about Freddie. Freddie, is it Freddie Adu? Freddie Adu. That's what I was laughing at. What what happened to Freddie Adu? You know? Do you know what? Right? When um, I remember 
Because Freddie, Freddie must be a similar age oh, to me. He must be. Well. He must be a. He must be a similar age to me. That, that I remember when he was six, fifteen. I think he was fifteen when he made his debut. Um, yeah. For um, did he play for Wayne Rooney's for Wayne Rooney's team? Was that he, DC United DC signed United, him yeah. when he was fourteen, and mm. he was very quickly in the MLS All Star game, which no one really thought. It was just all hype and promotion, and he's been just a journeyman since. Really, it's kind of sad. I think. I have no idea. I don't know him, obviously, but I'd imagine it was way too much, way too fast, way too much hype, way too many expectations. And wow. I don't know, for me, it's just, I don't want to say a sad story because he's still making money, still playing at the professional level, but he's been in some, he's been playing in some tiers that you just never would have expected given what was being said about he's, him. Uh, but I think that's a lot of clubs. Yeah. Listen to some of these clubs. So he started with, he uh, signed with the MLS played for DC United, Real Salt, Real Salt Lake, then he signed for Benfica, then went on loan to Monaco, uh, Belenise, Arisi, uh, a team in Russia, and then he kind of it goes down, but it's like Philadelphia, uh, yep. he had some trials, and one, two, three, four, five, he, six, seven, another Las Vegas Lights, which yeah, is like Vegas. second tier here, like he couldn't even Tampa crack the team. Bay. See, yeah, I think that I think I think that is a sad story, and because I, I, I just think I just think for for someone who had so much ability and someone who 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 had it all at one time, you know what I mean? For for somebody to not just get hold of him and push him in the right direction, you know what I mean? I said about mm-hmm. football saving a lot of people, you know what I mean? And um, I I think it's let down some people as well, and I think you know what I mean. I'm not laughing at, at what's happened to him. I just think that Played has he been has he been educated? Yeah. Has he been educated? Yeah, sorry, that should be 117. That should be that's yeah, and that's just, that's a shame for me because the amount of games that the US play, you know, what I mean, they have friendly, they have the Gold Cup, they have U, uh, World Cup qualifiers, and they have tons of them as well. They've been in a lot of World Cups in the last um, two decades. You know what I mean? They've, they've, yeah, had, I mean? they've had an unbelievable opportunity to get fifty, hundred caps. You look at um, Tim Howard, how many caps he's got? Um, you know what I mean? The, the Roy Wegglies of this world. You know what I mean? Going back, dropping a name in Kobe Jones when he played in the Premier League at Coventry City. Um, you know what I mean? That. I just, I just think, you know, I mean, did he have the right um, people behind him? Did he have the right family pushing him? Did I mean, he have an agent who was pushing him in, a, in the right direction? I think a lot of it was honestly just, and I could be wrong here. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy guy or anything, but I think a lot of it was just a marketing scheme to like, because all these people in the chat know who Freddie Adu is, and probably couldn't name a single other U.S. national team player back when Freddie Adu was playing. So it brought in a lot of hype for U.S. soccer. A lot of people were reading articles about U.S. soccer, tuning into games that otherwise neg- never would have tuned in. And unfortunately, it's just when you're 14, potential is potential. There's nothing guaranteed about potential. And I'd imagine being 14 years old and already being on a first side and already being tabbed the next greatest thing in the United States, That's there's no way that's the best environment to come up with. And unfortunately, not to go on a little bit of a tangent here, it doesn't really look like we learned from that because then, I forget the year, uh, we did the, almost a similar thing with Julian Green in the national team. Uh, before the World Cup, we cut Landon Donovan for Julian Green and I don't even know where Julian Green is anymore. So, and again, we created all that hype for someone, put unrealistic expectations on a 16-year-old, and just not a whole lot happened. You speak about the national team, then, Greg. How um, how important is the national team for the um, for the MLS to do to be successful? You know what I mean. You, you spoke about players who are playing overseas. You know what I mean. You Pulisic. You know what I mean. You've got other players who are playing in in, in various countries. You've got players who who could play for. Uh, for America, um, you've got Claudio Reyna's son who plays. I think he plays in Borussia Dortmund. 
um, yep. currently. You know what I mean? So there's, 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 there's players dotted around the world at very good football clubs, so getting very good coaching, very good training, playing at good levels, playing the Champions League. So the success should or could be automatic if it was if it was all pushed in the right direction, right? Yeah, and again, the MLS getting better is huge, but I don't think we need to rely on the MLS quite like we used to because more and more teams abroad are giving American players chances and more and more American players are starting to actually come through. Uh, I mean, Weston McKinney is one of my favorite players to watch right now. It's the United States, and yeah. I, I know he's playing in the Italian League right now, but he's, uh, he's yeah, I think he's going to be one of the next big things for U.S. soccer as well. Uh, and uh, you mentioned uh, Claudio Reyna's son, Gio Reyna. I mean, and also we have Sergio Dest over at Barcelona. There was a great yeah. picture on a uh, social media the other day of him and, you know, Messi laughing. And I don't know when the last time is uh, American players just got to hang out with potentially the greatest, one of the greatest players of all time like that. So MLS is definitely important, but it's no longer the be all end all for United States national team soccer. And I think that's the important side, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? We speak about our national teams, obviously, size really passionate about his about his country and, and, and the way that his 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 country plays his football, same as me. I love I love my country. Um but I don't I don't really care that much about uh where my players play, as long as you know what I mean the best players are picked for the for the country and as long as they achieve their um achieve the ability and and and, and, and don't underachieve, you know what I mean? We we had Adrian Berrington on who was who's from Team England and for me, England have massively underachieved over the last few years. I think Wales have potentially overachieved a little bit, you know what I mean, with, with some of the players they've had. And that's not being disrespectful to some of the players they've had. They've got some of the best players in the world um, on the day. But at the same time, they've got a lot of players from the Championship, so to speak. So for me, I think sometimes it's just getting the right blend, getting the right manager in place, getting the right coaching, having the right team spirit and camaraderie. And all of a sudden, you can have a little bit of overnight success in, and having a Gold Cup, having World Cup qualifiers, getting the World Cup. And, you know, I mean, you've seen sometimes South Korea doing well in the World Cup. Wales have done well in the in the in the World Cup in the Euros, and and sometimes Croatia, for example. You know, I mean, sometimes it's just about getting the right place at the right time, and and people can take off. The Leicester City effect, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. I think you know you need the right infrastructure infrastructure with the youth teams and everything. But when it comes to who cares what your domestic jersey is, all I care is that you're given a hundred percent and believe that we can do something when you put your national team jersey on. So, yeah, I think it's an exciting time. I, I'm, ho- I'm really hoping we have the manager right now. Uh, the last World Cup cycle, I'm sure everyone here knows what happened. It just, it was a disaster. I don't have a better word for it. So I'm really hoping we're moving in the right direction right now. So um, you mentioned Julian Green, um, Greg. He is now playing in the Germans. Uh, just checking out Bundesliga. I think it's the second tier of that. But he signed for um, Bayern Munich and then he went on loan to Stuttgart and he's now playing at uh, Greater Firthe, which I think is a second division team in Germany. But he's only 25. Uh, so he's clearly got something uh, about him ability-wise to, you know, to sign for clubs and play and then loaned out to clubs of that stature. Um, obviously, he's dropped down a level slightly now, but he's... You'd like to think that maybe he will go on and achieve what people seem to have been hoping he would go on to achieve. But, um, yeah, like you said, with with all footballers, I don't think it's an American thing necessarily. Uh, the, the British press and media do it a lot, is young players get hyped up uh, very, very quickly as soon as they do one, you know, one good game, one good goal, bit of skill. Well, the issue with him is he hadn't done anything yet. He was just a name that was with Bayern Munich, which is awesome, but he was with one of their lower teams. And what's really unfair to Julian, I think, is that 
he took the spot of Landon Donovan and yeah, he's kind absolutely. of a Landon Donovan's really polarizing when it comes to discussing the U S national team, but his career, he'd been a winner with the U S national team scored a ton of important goals. Uh, the one that got us against Algeria that got us into the knockout round. And I want to say 2010, I'll never forget that moment. And to take that spot a couple days before they head off to the world cup, that, that puts a lot of extra pressure on him, not only in that world cup, but, I mean, you can see how much I remember that decision. Mm-hmm. Fans everywhere remember that decision. And I, he hasn't been really a national team figure since. So, again, I hope I, I root for everyone to be successful in their careers. I really hope he starts that upward trajectory soon again because, like you said, there's definitely potential. I think it's unfair, though, sir. It's sometimes that, you, that, 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 that Greg's mentioned. Um, obviously, we talked about Freddie Adair. We just talked that about, about Green. That it's it happens more often with English players and it just doesn't get mentioned because there's that many of them, you know what I mean, that somebody's just put in the group chat, um, Craig's just put in the, in the group chat there about Ravel Morrison, you know what I mean, and, and the players who, and I'll, I'll call them journeymen a little bit, they've had that many clubs that nobody can ever get um, a song or a dance out of about these kind of players, you know, that, you know what I mean, Ravel played for Middlesbrough last, last year, the year before he played for Middlesbrough, I, I, was, I was excited when he signed because he has that something extra. Um, and these kind of players who get you on the edge of the seat, but when are they going to learn that they're in such a privileged position that the football career is so short? It, by the time they know it, it's going to be done, it's going to be over. Um, and, you know what I mean? They're going to have so many regrets and it's going to be such a shame for them personally because they're going to have to live with those regrets and they will eat them up inside because, you know what I mean? You've got to get the best out of what you had. I remember watching Ravel Morrison, and I've said it on this show um, Hundred shows ago, I watched him at Man United when he was young. When he was a young kid, and he was the best thing I've I've seen. He was he was far better than he was on par with the Gascoigns. He was that good, and you know I mean that's not that's not an understatement. By the way, he was amazing. But I don't even think Fergie could get a tune out of him. You know what I mean? And for for the best manager in the world not to get something, and every other manager's followed suit. Nobody's been able to get a tune out of him. And I, I'd love to sit down with him. I'd love I'd, I'd love him to come on the show and explain to me. What is it? What's the problem? Yeah, why? 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 Can't... why? Yeah. What's the block? What's that mental? To... Is it a mental block? Is it a physical block? Is it? Is it somebody else's fault? You know what I mean? Is that a? Is he Maybe got a he young? Wants to do a young mentality. Thing. Well, unfortunately, it's Greg knows. You know. I know. Football is not an individual sport. You know what I mean? It's a team sport. You've got to buy into someone else's ideas for you to be as successful at a club. You've got to buy into a coach's philosophy, a team's philosophy, a club's mentality. Other players, you know what I mean. It, football's just it, football's evolved so much. You know what I mean. It's not about one individual anymore. You know what I mean. The the best teams in the world are, are, are those teams who probably don't have good, a one good player. They have seven or eight good yeah. players who get a nine, ten out every week. Yeah. You know what I mean. And uh, I'll use Norwich City. You know what I mean. Norwich City have been a pain in my backside this season because they've <laughs> they've seen to win every single game. The big Cardiff City of the weekend. I wouldn't I wouldn't look at their team on paper and say that any of their players are the best in the championship. But they seem to win every single week, and I don't know why. But they've just got that winning mentality. They've got that team spirit. That everyone knows their jobs. Everyone knows what to do from minute one to minute ninety-five, and and that's how that's the way it goes. And do you know what? The manager and the coach and the coaching staff and the players need to take huge, huge credit for that and massive responsibility for how they act because they were poor last year, but they've got something right this year, and they've learned from the mistakes and they. And it's just, it's, it's fantastic. And you know what? I, I, I'd love my teams or team to play in that manner week in, week out because I'd be so yeah. proud of it. Those are some of the funnest teams to watch when you just have 11 guys that are, you know, checked in and just working together instead of just relying on 
one or two guys to do it all. When you got 11 guys with the same mindset, the same hunger, the same belief, the sport becomes really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I'd like to speak, Sai, about, about, about philosophies. Um, Can we wait 60 seconds, mate? Yeah, Costa. Yeah, remind uh, me, I remind me, because I'll forget that. It's a, I will. It's a good we'll word. Go it's a good word. It now. It's a good we'll word. We'll be back in, uh, in 60 seconds. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Yeah, Bespoke Financial uh, specialise in life insurance, critical illness, income protection, mortgages and sports cover. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, they're giving away a free will worth £140 with any new policy which is taken out. So check them out, give them a call, and don't miss out on this amazing offer. And uh, as always, we thank them for sponsoring the show. Uh, Andy, what were you going to say? Philosophies. <laughs> Philosophies. Didn't forget. Yeah. Um, I'd just like to speak about, uh, obviously, it's, it's great to have a coach on. I mean, we've been lucky, haven't we? We've had, uh, we've had, a, we've had some managers, some coaches on, some players who want to get into that kind of, uh, kind of field. I've, I've tried. Um, I enjoyed it, failed miserably. Um, uh, but I'd like to, obviously, dig deep into you, Greg, and just uh, speak about how important a philosophy is to you. Um, do you religiously stick to a philosophy? Have you stick to it in previous jobs and what you do now? And, um, and will you continue to do that in the future? I mean, team-wise, my biggest goal is to always try to get our guys to be the best version of themselves. That's on the field and off the field. I think if you're doing the right things in both those settings, usually good things will happen on the field. Uh, it, personally, I just always – the thing I try to stand by is if you're at a place that, like, had, doesn't have a rich history, hasn't been really successful, I just always try to tell myself it's because I haven't been there to do it yet. I try to, I try to take the approach that, you know – if we do it my way, there's a way. Every 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 team, every program, there's a way for it to be successful. We just got to find it. And you know, so far here, this will be my second season at Northland. I think I've been here like 18 months now. Uh, we've seen a lot of really good dramatic improvements. And when you see that, guys start buying in, and then it becomes that much easier to kind of get them to be the best version of themselves as well. Well, I totally agree. Like, how how important then is it? Um, to be flexible, you know what I mean. So, um, to not be not be strict on a certain formation or a certain team selection, or um, uh, because obviously, if you if you are a little bit strict with it, then it, it, obviously as it's as it's as it's downfalls, right? Yeah, I mean, as a coach, I think you do manager. You definitely need to be able to adapt. You have to adapt to the situations, uh, your opponent. If an opponent plays a certain way, you know, I don't believe in just. 18 games of the year, whole year, saying we're going to play a 4-3-3 no matter what. I just don't think that's a recipe to be successful. Uh, you just got to be able to change things halftime. And your players also have to understand what those changes might be. And 
so when you approach like a preseason, for example, if you're setting everything up to be a 4-3-3, what do you do when you're four games in and you suddenly need to switch into a 3-5-2 to try to get a goal at the end? If your players have no idea what they're doing, you're setting them up for failure. So I think you really need to be flexible. And the other part from a player to coach perspective, you also need to understand that players react differently in different ways to different things. You can't kind of have the same hat on with how you treat every single player. And I know there's coaches out there that will argue with me on this, but I think if you're going to, if your goal is to get the best or get the most out of every single individual, you have to know how to treat every single individual individually. And I think that's one of the joys of coaching, kind of building that relationship with your players and also one of the challenges. But I think that's, yeah, about how you've got to treat, people everyone's different everyone mm. reacts and re, uh, responds to to, mm. to different things some people need react better to a, a kick up the backside and a bit more of a firmer thing some mm. people they need to be like coaxed along a little bit each day they need that reassurance they need whatever it may be they might need someone to talk to regularly they might just be happy to get on with it and do it themselves and follow instructions everybody's different but then we're on about, think... about a group of boys who are away from family, you know what I mean, a, a yeah. thousand of miles away from home. Um, you know what I mean? That, that we've, got, we've got sat right here, we've got a father figure, a coach, a mentor, a manager, a friend, you know what I mean? And, and it's, about, it's about getting the right thing for the right individual, the right person, that somebody, Johnny over there might need a kick up the backside, whereas Dave might need an arm on the shoulder and someone else might need a little bit of fun. And it's... It's regardless how you're feeling, if you're happy, if you're sad, if you're having a good day, you're a bad day, you're tired, you're, you know what I mean? It's about you being that person at the right time. And it's so important that you're, that you're that person that they all need to be. because it's, And it's about knowing your people as well and knowing the individuals yeah. because it's, um, there's no point just trying. And you know what I mean? You, you've got to know that person inside out and um, you know, what I mean? know what works for them, know what doesn't work for them, know what their strengths are, know what their weaknesses are because... You know what I mean? There's, 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 it's about working and make them better. And working better on weaknesses is, is better than just telling them the, 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 the great, great, great. Because when they move to a, a, a bigger and better place, hopefully, you know what I mean, which is, which is the, 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 the goal and the dream, you also set them up to fail that, um, that how come no one's worked on your heading, for example, because I yeah. just didn't do it. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's about working on things which, which are for that person. And it's, it's, it's so rewarding. You know what I mean? I just see the passion in in Greg's voice and the way that he talks, it's just absolutely fantastic that that these that these young people. I nearly call them kids again. That's that's really bad. <laughs> that these young people. Um, I call them kids sometimes. Yeah, um, and they act like it too sometimes. Yeah, well, so do I. But I'm 41, so I'm, everyone's <laughs> allowing that. Um, it's just it's absolutely fantastic that they get this opportunity to work with someone who's, who's got so much so much passion inside them that they, that want to make them better. Who's got the desire uh, to make them better. And then you walk out on the football pitch side. And look around and see the facilities, and how can you fail? How can you fail when you've got a good person in front of you, and you, you've got the weather sometimes, which is it was obviously nice, and then you've got um, the facilities around you as well. It must just be a dream, you know what I mean? Because yeah. everyone's got aspirations, everyone's got dreams to go to another level. But you know what I mean? There's a reason why people are doing this kind of this kind of thing, this kind of scholarship, because it's um, a qualification, because they're getting a qualification out of it. And then they're giving themselves a platform to hopefully, potentially, going to be a, a footballer, if that's staying in the, in the States, to go hopefully in the USL, hopefully MSL, uh, if, that's, if that's to go MLS, sorry, if that's to go to overseas to play in, in whatever country. It's just a, it's a fantastic platform for, for any young person to be in. You know what I mean? If, if, you know what I mean? If that was available 
years ago for, for people like a lot more people would have would have bought into it you know what i mean and it would have given a lot more people who got released at clubs at, at 18 yeah a better opportunity to get a qualification b to a longevity of their football career and a better level and a higher level and give them a better platform and a better life. I mean, I believe that. I believe a better life because lifestyle is important. Yeah. Seeing a, a, the big wild world and Greg will tell you, you know what I mean? It's, it must just be so rewarding, mate. Must be. It, it, it's a lot of fun and I, I genuinely mean like the relationship part of coaching is it's one of my favorite aspects. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it. We're, we have kids thousands of miles away from home and, you know, I've talked to kids who are, you know, feeling homesick. I've, talk to kids about things way worse than that that I won't get into on this but it's kind of that just building that relationship with your players and just being there for them and it's just it's definitely a unique job in terms of some of my job security relies on the decisions of 18 19 and 20 year olds which sometimes is a little bit daunting but if it's just fun to kind of get to know these guys and help them through the process and really kind of help them go from being a kid to an adult and if there's anyone out there that's listening to this that's you know considering schools considering the college route in the U.S., one of the biggest things I would say is, aside from the dollar signs and facilities, really try to get to know the coach that you're talking to. Make sure that they're actually going to care about you as a person because you're going to be over here 18, 19, 20. Uh, it's make sure that they're going to care about you, not just they care about not just how many goals you're going to score, but also you know who you are and what your future is going to be. Which is just I'll yeah, say, I I'll, I'll refresh that. I'll refreshing that because I, I see um, I see a lot of people in the football system in, in the UK, just a number, um, the scholars, you know what I mean? That that just uh, Greg, we we had uh, an unbelievable time when I was a YTS, you know what I mean? I, obviously, I know you you spoke to uh, Isaac's dad, Jamie, that when uh, when we were young kids and you and you're going into football clubs and you you're doing jobs, you're scrubbing toilets, you're cleaning football boots, and you're doing more of the horrible stuff than you are playing football. And do you know what? It was the happiest time in my football life that I loved doing that, what I did. It, it, it made me into a, I wouldn't say a man, but it, it, it showed me that where my roots were. It showed me that I was grounded. It kept me, it kept me really focused on what I wanted to do because I was, I was able to watch people playing in the Premier League and I was cleaning their boots thinking, I want to do that. You know what I mean? How do I impress people? Well, I impress them by... Um, cleaning boots. I impress them by going on the football pitch and showing that determination, how, how I can be as, as, a, as a rounded individual. It's not just about, like you say, how many goals you score. It's not about showing how many kick-ups you can do. It's about being that all-rounded person, individual, because you impress on and off the pitch and people like that. People see the bigger picture and it's not just about crossing that white line. You know what I mean? People, the emphasis on that for me is is a little bit no, it's not not always correct, you know what I mean? There's a bigger picture involved in football and, you know what I mean, the longevity of it, you know what I mean? Because we've spoken about individuals today, haven't we, guys, that, um, who were brilliant at 16. Suppose we will be is when they're 18, but then all of a sudden they're scraping around and, 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 and it's a shame. And I, I feel for, the, for these kind of guys and I'd, 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 I'd love it sometimes for someone just to get hold of them who's got the passion and the desire to put them in the right place and just give them a shake a little bit and just say, listen, if you don't try... That's all you're going to end up, and I just think you know what I mean. Sometimes it's just having that right person around you at the right time, and it can, it can go a thousand miles, and it would, it would it would make a massive difference. Character's so important, and I think we're starting to see a bigger and bigger emphasis on character at the college, youth, and professional ranks. I'll give you an example: Mario Balotelli. I, I have yeah. another guy. I really don't know where he is right now, and yeah, he had some success with Italy. But does anyone really think that he? really became the best version of himself there's no major teams that are like world known and world famous that want to sign that guy 
And he had all the talent in the world at one point. So character matters. And if you can't tell, yeah. I'm not a big Balotelli fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think many people are. Martin's put a good, uh, a good comment in the group chat there that uh, I wish I could clean boots as good as you. <laughs> I don't know, right? In the game, I'll tell you what I used to do. I was I was quite lucky, you know what I mean. So when uh, when Janino signed for for Middlesbrough, I was on Janino's boots and Gary Walsh. So Gary was uh, a Man United ex Man United goalkeeper, and Gary Walsh's boots were size thirteen, I think. And Janino only had a little size five. So I cleaned Gary Walsh's brilliantly. And I just stick Janino's inside Gary Walsh's boots just to hide them. So then I'd, I'd have time to do them on another day. So I always, I always just hid a little bit. So I was just quite clever. It was always about thinking outside the box a little bit. Sometimes when you were a young boy, always, um, always thinking, always thinking. Um, right, we've got a load of questions backed up, mate. So I'm going to fly through some of these for the people. Uh, throw some of these at Greg. Uh, Donna Perry asked, uh, "Who's the most famous person to come out of Northland College?" Uh, cool hopefully, hopefully, twenty years from now, one of my current players. But uh, we'll see. We one thing we're really lucky is we have a couple of really good donors that have really been giving a lot back to the school. Uh, there's a gentleman named Craig Ponzio. Our stadium's named uh, Ponzio Stadium. So just to give you an idea of kind of the donation levels from some of these guys. Uh, He's probably up there in the business world. So I'd say it's Craig Ponzio. Okay. Nice. And I, I, sorry, on that on that note though, I'd love I'd love that I'd love that stadium being named after me. Just just well, it's just it's, it's 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 a spectacle in itself, so it's uh it's just oh, on, the plan, on the stadium, uh, Martin asked, uh, ten thousand seats ten thousand seats a stadium, do they charge fans to watch? Uh, I I might have misspoke earlier. It's a I said ten million dollar stadium. Uh, oh, we okay. probably only seat probably like a thousand, maybe twelve hundred. Okay. Uh, we've ch- we charged a little bit last year, but it's like five bucks. Uh, I'd like to get this program to the point where everyone in the regional area wants to yeah. come into our games, and we can charge a little bit more. But like I said, it's going to be a process, and kind of we'll see what the future holds for that. Cool. Uh, Reese said. Uh, so is there a route to get into U.S. coaching or is it ju- just through colleges? Uh, no, there's there's all sorts of ways. Uh, the club set up, when, we, when I say club over here, that's really like youth set up, youth teams. Uh, there's plenty of full-time jobs and there's just tons and tons of youth teams where you can carve out a pretty decent career. And, you know, if you do well with the youth team set up, you can get a college job. I actually started coaching uh, 18 and 19-year-olds, you know, kids that were seniors in high school and I actually originally was coaching a varsity high school team so there's a lot of different pathways there's a lot of different options and I saw someone else asked you know is it a decent career uh, or is it more like a part-time thing Uh, at the college level it's almost exclusively full-time assistant coach positions can be full-time they can be part-time sometimes they're really decently paid part-time gigs but no if you're if you're coaching at the college level you usually make a decent amount of money i mean it, it varies but it's definitely full-time and i'm definitely well taken care of here greg what's the what's the pathway like for even younger children so uh, i'm talking like maybe primary school so is the is the coaching as good in there to get the get the fundamental skills ready you know what i mean like like we have it here so we we can have academies taking kids at young as young ages well, probably five or so haven't we say you know what I mean? which i don't agree yeah, with yeah. you i think it's i think it's really really too young it's but ludicrous. what's the what's the youngest age that 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 coaching happens with with children in the in the u.s well i'm looking around my office for something stronger than water before i answer this question because this is something <laughs> that 
really uh, irritates me with how we do things over here. One of the, listen, we do a lot of good things over here uh, at the college level. Like I said, I think it's a great opportunity and there's been a lot of improvements over the last five, 10, 15 years of the sport. Uh, one of the challenges though, for this country moving forward with soccer is in those younger age groups. Uh, kids can be playing, I'll say travel soccer, club soccer, youth soccer, whatever you want to call it, getting professional coaching as young as six, seven, eight, ten 10 over here. The problem is the barriers. Uh, a lot of it depends on where you live and honestly how much money you make. Uh, there's teams that are charging $5,000 a year for kids to play for them when they're only nine years old. And, you know, that adds up over eight, nine years. And there are way more teams charging these, this kind of money than you could possibly imagine. And charging, so, I mean, char- charging who? Who's, who's getting charged that, that money? The, the individual? The players and the parents. What, per player? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, my. Well, basically, the, this, I, I don't know how much you know about that. So let's say if we – local leagues, Greg, so here you'd pay – You'd pay about twenty pound a month, twenty five, thirty pound a month, probably on average. You know what I mean? So you know, you got to add a couple digits to that over here, and then you you got it. And there's a lot of organizations out there that are trying to buck the trend. I mean, the the reason I think that's kind of set up like this is our professional teams aren't set up like they are over in England. We don't have tons of academy teams where a lot of kids are getting you know opportunities to play in front of those professional coaches and so there's not many young teams that are getting funding from the top team and the owner if that makes sense so it's just a lot of teams on their own that train kids up until they're 18 and a lot of teams will try to bring in you know sponsorships and pay for stuff that way and there's a there's a couple of great coaches i know out there Uh, there's one in new hampshire uh that's run by the Barbosa brothers and you know, they are finding sponsors to cover all their kids and they've had a lot of success, but there's just so many teams out there that you really need to be a certain class. I hate saying this to kind of get that top flight coaching. I can totally understand your frustration because listening to that has made me, uh, has made my blood boil a little bit that when I talked earlier on, say about people um, being saved by football, that, Terminology that we're thinking is gonna is gonna uh, it's gonna it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna ruin a lot of lives because you've got you've got a child who hasn't got a hasn't got a lot of money with his family they don't live in a good area they don't you know what I mean that that, that mum and dad don't earn a lot of money or don't have jobs that you're not allowed to play football because the football is, uh, is so, the, the good about football here Greg is football's not an upper class sport you know what I mean that, that yeah. it, it's free it's anyone can play it you know what I mean and that's and that's the way that probably I like it and I think it's it's portrayed to be here. There's always going to be a team you can find, but in terms of getting that coach for your 14-year-old, yeah. you know, that's paid a salary so he can just yeah. focus on coaching, so he can go get his licenses and be giving your kid the best coaching, that's when the that's when you really start having to pay a decent amount of money. And that, that's one of the challenges we're facing right now. And it it actually worked out well for me because I was able to, you know, when I was 25, I just started my own club. And I looked at our neighbor club who I'm actually in the Hall of Fame at right now, so it's kind of weird, but I just said, all right, these guys are charging $2,000, $3,000. I'm going to charge like 20% of that, and I'm going to steal their players and go win and you know give the give these kids money to go do, on something, do something else. And it worked out great for me. I was actually able to make a name for myself. I, you know, The parents loved it. The players loved it. And I think we're starting to see more of that, more people really try to change things here because, like you said, there's so many athletes here that 
like when they're 10, 12, 14, they just have so much athletic potential, but they're not able to get the top coaching and no one finds them. And that's because they're not able to pay for those expensive teams. Which is such a shame, say, isn't it? Because you've got, yeah, you've you got players how many who players miss out. Yeah, who slip through the net. That, that you've got players yeah. who are like sponges on them at a young age. That they learn so much at a really young age. The fundamentals, how to kick a ball properly, how to control a ball, how to head a ball, how to shoot properly, how to use different parts of the foot, um, different parts of the body to control it, um, getting fit, getting healthy. You know what I mean? The amount of players who probably get to a certain level who then do get coaching, get, find out that they're not good enough or get told they're not good enough because they've missed the boat a little bit. And I just, I just think it's, um, yeah, such, that must be so frustrating. It, it is. It's, and I mean, even like, it's just changed. It's another thing that's changed dramatically 10 years. We've been a lot of positive things changing the last 10 years. The amount of money people are able to make off this youth coaching stuff. And that's been one of the negative drawbacks of things getting better. And now I think it's kind of, there's so much publicity about it and, I mean, you can probably hear it in my voice how frustrating it is for me. Now, more and more, even pro teams are getting involved and trying to kind of change the landscape a bit. Well, that happens uh, it, in this country as well, though. Where there's, there's a, yeah, there's, um, for like, there's two or three excellent uh, academies and development centers in and around where I live in Cardiff and on the outskirts of Cardiff. But for those three exceptional ones, there's probably eight to ten terrible ones who charge the same prices as the exceptional ones but don't you don't get the same level of care safety coaching anything like that it's basically for lack of a better term cowboys making a quick buck because they get paid very well because the parents are paying for you know whether it's hourly sessions for groups or teams or individual training it's you know they make it and they're working all day coaching but if they spend, if you've got hours coaching and the coach spends the first half hour talking to you about whatever, that you only get half an hour's coaching, but you still have to pay the full whack. Sorry, my my concern is for me. if Jamie Vardy grew up in the United States, he would have been done playing soccer, football by the time he was 17. Cause, yeah, that's a scary thought, isn't that? Yeah. yeah. And, the, and I, listen, that is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good, is it? It's not good, especially when. Um, when you look at the facilities, you look at uh, the opportunities, you look at um, the players what have come through. You know what I mean? You look at the, the readiness, of, readiness is what is available there, and the scholarships and the opportunities what are there. It, you know what I mean? For me, it's 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 if somebody got hold of it properly and somebody utilised um, the opportunity, it could be endless and it could be it could be absolutely massive, absolutely massive for someone to to go into schools and to uh, to give that to give that something back and to and to use it as as what it is you know what i mean and that's to educate young people in the right ma- in the right manner give them a pathway to to excellence and give them a pathway yep. to something that they're good at because how do you know they're going to be good at something unless you really see them do it if you if they if they can't afford to do it you put off straight away because because of the because of because of money and because of because of the price of something and that's it's you know what's what's more important at the minute being able being able to eat or being able to pay to play football is a no-brainer. I just think there's way too many decisions being made on players, you know, before they're 12, 13, 14. And yeah. to, to me, those younger, younger kids, like, they all should be having the same opportunity because I know there's people, like I've had professional coaches say, I can tell that six-year-old's got something. And to me, like, 
you don't know if that six-year-old is going to be playing the sport in five years. He might be doing something completely different. So I think it's, and I think this is also a little bit of a global challenge. We got to, kids everywhere got to be getting opportunities. And I think sometimes we just write people off too fast. Yeah, you change so much though, don't you? Like from, you know, even six to eight or eight to 12 or, you know, a different different ages and different a year is a long time as a kid but it's also the same when you're a teenager your your body changes your interests change everything can change at the drop of a hat and i just think too many times kids get written off as or you're not good enough or you're not going to be good enough and it just, i don't know I, I find it a frustrating system um, it's because everyone okay. comp- everyone's compared, Sai, aren't they? You know what I mean? Everyone's compared yeah. to that, that, that Dave and Team A is compared to Johnny and Team A. And, and you can't do that. Every, every, every young player is going to develop at different stages of their, of their life. You know what I mean? Somebody could develop at a young age at eight. Somebody could develop um, at 15. But if they're not given the opportunity to, to develop, it doesn't mean they're going to fail. You know what I mean? Jamie Vardy. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Everyone develops at a different age. You know what I mean? We're not all... Um, Wayne Rooney, you know what I mean? Listen, you know what I mean? He he entered the the world of men's football um, at a really young age, and not just not just entered it. You know what I mean? Smashed the door open. You know what I mean? On on his performance. You know what I mean? I I was lucky. I I made my debut at a similar age than he did, but I was nowhere near developed like he was. He was developed into a man. He was a man yeah. at, in it with a, a young in a, in a young age, and and that's what it is. But you know what I mean? He's had to manage his own. Um, development, as in, as in his body weight, his physique, um, throughout. You know what I mean? He's never had a had a physique where you think like a Cristiano Ronaldo. You know what I mean? He's he's always managed his own body and his own and his own expectations. And but because he was developed like that at a young age, it, it worked for him. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Right to finish us off, then we're going to try and get to as many of these questions as possible. There's some um, good ones in there. There's some phenomenal yeah. ones, but it's, I just haven't been able to keep up with them all. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, Reese says, uh, once, a, once a player finishes his college, college education, can he still play for you or are you restricted to, college, uh, to students only? Uh, strictly restricted to the people who are at the school. So you get four years of eligibility in NCA. So usually I get guys for four years. Uh, I do focus on bringing in transfers as well, which is guys from other colleges that decide they didn't like it. But once you're in college, you usually almost always get four years to play. Transfers? Uh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that was possible. I like that. Yeah, you I can. Like that. There's guys that move between schools. I try to throw that word in there a lot because like people over in Europe can identify with it. Doesn't quite mean what they think, but it's. Yeah, I like it. I don't know. I like it. Uh, so Donna and uh, Andy's dad both asked basically the same question, which was, "What does the future hold for uh, Greg Gilmore, and what are your ambitions?" Good question. I get this question a lot, actually. I when I talk to recruits or I'm trying to get to you know come to school and play for me, I actually had a kid that I've been recruiting for three years asked that the other day. And the biggest thing I'm looking for is I just want to be at a place where I think there's no ceiling. And by that I mean I don't I, every day at work I'm not like well you know maybe we can finish third, maybe we can finish fourth. Uh, here I really feel like it, while it might take some time. Uh, I tell all the recruits, like, I want to win a championship within the next two years here, hopefully this year, hopefully this spring. Uh, I don't think there's really a limit on what we can do. And then after that, 
I want to go compete in the national tournament. Uh, we've got the facilities. Uh, I think we got the setup. You know, we do offer a pretty strong education. So, yeah, there's higher levels that I could potentially try to coach at. But if I think I can be successful, you know, I, I live on the largest lake and one of the one of the largest lakes in the world. It's affordable to live out here. My fiance likes it out here. I'm not trying to be one of those coaches that just bounces from job to job to job. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of people that do that because there's plenty of colleges out there. There's plenty of different levels, but I I mean when I, I mean when I say it that I like the relationship part of things and I really want to try to build something. That must be music to obviously the ears of the people that obviously who, who, who play under you, Greg, because I know. Obviously, I spoke to one of your boys very, very closely. I'm very close to his dad, and and you know what I mean. That the message that I get quite regular is how, how how enjoyable it is to play for you and under you and work under you and and be close to you and and the terminology of it and proper British terminology of um that's why that people want to run through a brick wall for you and that's obviously <laughs> young young Isaac and that's just and, and do you know what and, and that, that's used quite a lot here. Um, and I use it all the time. To be fair, you know, yeah. maybe that time. He just want to listen to me, by the way. Um, but um, but you know, I mean that, that must make you proud, though, to hear those kind of things and those kind of those kind of words mentioned towards you because you know what I mean it means you're doing something right. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like I'd I'd love to be at a place and maybe it's a lower professional team, maybe it's somewhere in Europe. I have no idea where you have five thousand fans and everyone knows your name when you're competing in the FA Cup or whatever. I, I don't get me wrong. I have dreams, but the way I approach it is if you do something special where you're at right now, then everything will fall into place. And I just see too many people that have spent 10, 15, 20 years of their lives bouncing from job to job to job. That's why coaching is one of the highest divorce rates out of all industries, because there's people that just think like, Oh yeah, this person will follow me here, 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 here. And I just, I told myself when I was younger, like if I'm going to do this, I want to really try to enjoy where I'm at. And just not take shortcuts. It's you do a disservice to the players if you're constantly thinking about mm. the next thing for yourself. And like I said, we get a lot of good things here. I, I really like who I work for as well. And there's just no need for me to really think beyond here right now. I think you're right as well. You're right. Your, you're right. Why would you move? No. It doesn't matter. Does exactly. It? If if we reach a point where you know we're competing for a championship every single year, like you guys have seen the stadium, why why would I want to leave that? Why would I be rushing to? go start over somewhere else we move back to the old conversation about casper michael if it's not brought yeah. by fix it you know it, yeah. it's 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 obvious you know that, that the grass isn't always green and we always we say that on hearsay all the time don't we about players who this silly season and transfer window and um and the grass isn't always green the people move for for the reasons that they move agents want to move them to get more money players want to move because they think they're gonna get more money or gonna play somewhere else it doesn't always doesn't always secure happiness and 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 the decision about your football longevity doesn't always um, succeed, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, agreed. 100%. Let's finish on this. <laughs> if, that's, if, that's, if that's to do me, fancy, that's a no. Do you fancy a crack at the Cardiff job, Greg? Yeah, <laughs> please not. I think Greg, I like where I'm at right now. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, that's the biggest... Fancy a stint in God's country? It is, that's the uh, highest the pressure football job. Highest pressure football job in the world, Sam. Uh, no, it's, no <laughs> I've, I've seen all the forums. Come on, man. Just <laughs> Neil Harris is rubbish. Uh, Don, I, I'm interested in the answer to this question. Donna says, I wonder if cricket will ever take off in America. Now, I am genuinely interested in that. Do you even I, 
play cricket? I, no cricket? Do I play cricket? Uh, definitely not. I played it once at a work <laughs> function a long time ago. And <laughs> I'd, I, love to see, I'd love to see. I would love to see a video of that, Greg, if you've got one. I'd love to I, pass that. Oh, this there was, is a US team, though, I think, isn't there? I'm sure there's a US cricket. News to yeah, me. It's, I, it's, called, it's called baseball. <laughs> exactly. I think <laughs> I think cricket's probably forever doomed in the United States because of baseball. And uh, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed when I played it. I I mean, I was I think I was the youngest person there by like 15 years, which mm. helped. But I I don't think cricket has a future here, unfortunately. And I hope yeah. I'm not breaking anyone's heart when I say that. You break it. Donald, right Donald will be gutted. Donald will be absolutely good. <laughs> United fact, States it's, cricket it's, team. It's, there you go. I knew I was right. They never question my knowledge. <laughs> tell you. Are they good? <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, ranked. Ranked what? Uh, well, let's just say they're just about ranked. But they have a team. Who are the professionally? Who are the better? Who are they better than? Um, should I see if they've ever won a game? Canada. Just to finish this off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be, like that would really, that would really cheer. That would really cheer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, so they've only competed in one-day internationals and T20s. Their record is 15, one six, lost one nine six. in one-day one-day internationals, and in 2020s they've played eight, won two, lost five, and a no result as well. Um, so there you go. I'm, I'm shocked. America. I'm, sh I'm shocked. I'm shocked. They've played. Oh, they played Australia and New Zealand. Wow. Uh, they lost both of those. Did we play their U18 team? <laughs> uh, they played. They played Scotland, United Arab Emirates, Oman, Nepal, Nam Namibia, and Papua New Guinea. So not the cricketing titans of the world. In fairness, <laughs> I, um, I can't believe we have a national team, and we have a national yeah, ping pong team. So I, I guess it's. I'm not totally shocked, but ping, I, table tennis is another sport that I'm absolutely phenomenal at. Just to say. Um, not to blow my own trumpet or anything, but yeah. if you're ever in the US, we'll have to we'll have to meet up. It's and... a big statement Absolutely. that by the way. It's a big statement I, that by the way. No, I've, bear I've, in mind luckily, these guys who have. Bear in mind I'm, these guys who have that much time. That much, you know. What I mean, I'm not saying Greg has that much time with his hands, but you know, I, mean, I bet I bet there's some phenomenal players in the, oh, uh, with, the with the young lads. Some right. phenomenal. I played all time in college because. Yeah. Oh. I, I don't know how much people know about the college culture over here, but if you're not an athlete, you're nightlife is pretty unrestricted and obviously when you know we had big games coming up i was trying to find things to do where i could be make sure i was the best version of myself on game day and the ping pong table was where i made a living for the first two years size <laughs> uh size comment now was a little bit like he's just going down it's just, just no, quiet I'm now, I'm, i was just, i didn't want him to interrupt our guest i've not finished <laughs> kelly's just put a comment i went on football tour with my kids last year last year or the year before, uh, and I played table tennis against all the kids and the parents Videos. for like uh, like all day. Just beat them all. Would you beat, uh, <laughs> would you, would you beat Forrest Gump? Because I've seen him the other day. He was very yeah. good. He was amazing. Yeah, I beat anyone, mate. He was amazing. Anyway, mate. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> beat anyone. Legend, Forrest Gump. <laughs> um, had some lovely comments, Greg, about you as a guest, about the show tonight. And... Um, and is that right? That uh, Kelly just said that uh, Cardiff have lost out on both those signings, which were nearly done deals. I am. Uh, I've, I have heard. I have heard on the grapevine that that that, that there's other teams who have hijacked one of them. I'm not sure about the other one, but useless. Hmm. Oh, I could, that's just. I can't even start on that now because we'll never finish the show. Um, <laughs> Friday is going to be fun, isn't it? Friday is going to be a right laugh. Shaking, raging. I'm not happy. 
Oof. Uh, yeah, we'll save that for Monday. Um, Friday. Greg, thank you. Friday. <laughs> I'm, mental, I'm raging. Raging. i got to try not to swear now. Go on. Um, <clears throat> yes. So, uh, Greg, thank you for joining us, mate. Thank you for yeah, your time. Yeah, it's been amazing, Greg. Absolutely loved, loved the show. Loved to uh, dig deep into the... Uh, just your ideas, your stories, mate. They've been absolutely phenomenal and uh, hope everybody in the US stays safe. Hope everybody, everything works out for you and the guys. And um, and uh, please, is it what day is it today? Because it's, ne- it's nearly night. It's nearly after. It's late evening or early evening, isn't it now? So, right, late afternoon. Um, tomorrow, just beast Isaac for me and just say that's from me, just to give him a little mm-hmm. kick up the backside, please. I'll do the best I can. I Thanks for having me on. Enjoyed all the questions. And again, thanks. This was a pleasure. Cool. Cheers, I, Greg. Uh, yeah, I apologize to everyone or anyone. I know I missed a couple of questions. Yeah, um, it's just difficult, difficult to keep up with them, and and uh, we, we ran out of time. Unfortunately, must do better for next week for me. Um, <laughs> massive thank you as ever to uh, Black Diamond Sports, Bespoke Financial for sponsoring the show. Um, we'll be back probably Wednesday with the MMA show straight after the UFC finishes. We're definitely back on Thursday with Super Kevin scripted and we're definitely back on Friday with uh, the championship show all live. So I hope you'll join us for a good laugh, talk football, talk mixed martial arts and such all on Ace Podcast Nation. Subscribe, stay tuned and uh, thank you very much. Andy, as always, mate, it's a pleasure. Yeah, loved it, mate. Really, yeah, and no, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Another another fabulous show. Just time just flies by when you're having fun. I just love what I'm doing. Indeed, um, and thanks to everybody for the the comments, the comments and the questions. Just everything about it. just you you're absolutely fantastic. So continue watching. Indeed. We've got some amazing guests coming up over the next couple of weeks as well. You know what I mean to follow on oh, for this yeah. one. It's just going to be brilliant. So keep watching. Spot on. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told Mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if Mummy or Daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Podcast Network.